courtesy of High Tide Recordings, the home of surf, lounge, and exotic sounds. We're playing a little bit of the Satan's Pilgrims here on the show from their upcoming album, Go Action. The name of the song is Riot on the Seaside Strip, and of course they gave us permission to play this music here on this episode of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. It's Monster Kid Radio, and I'm your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook, ready to drop a new episode on you in which I talk about the movie Creature from the Haunted Sea, and I'm doing it with guest and friend of the show, Tom Gerganis from All Things Go Forth and Game. He's going to be joining me this week to talk about Creature from the Haunted Sea. It's a Roger Corman classic, is it? Find out when you listen to this conversation. Of course, wouldn't be an episode of Monster Kid Radio if we didn't have Kenny here with his look at Famous Monsters of Filmland and the Beta Capsule Review from Mark Maskey, who is about to hit a milestone. Oh, I, I can't I can't believe it. And we'll talk about that at the very end of the show. But to get to the end of the show, we gotta get through the middle of the show, and that's gonna happen now. splendor these three must make their own world their own new code of morals where are you going to evelyn and so to bed we are married you know martin increasing tensions reveal the driving forceful possessiveness of the gambler please don't and the contrasting sensitive understanding of the lawyer creating a triangle dangerous and violent the last woman on earth born to bear the brand of two men ask me though martin i need you to ask me all right ev i do want you with me so he's leaving and not just because of what he did to you did to me Harold Martin didn't rape me. That's enough. Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror film. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos the Hands of Fate, and one of the creators of the original chill role-playing game. This book recreates the thrills of the classic monster versus monster film. We've got vampires, werewolves, Mummies, psychic twins, scheming madmen, and plenty of unexpected chills. Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors in print, or for Kindle at Amazon.com and other fine retailers. Coming soon in other ebook formats. 
Find out more at CushingHorrors.com or SDSullivan.com and support Steve's work through Patreon at PaySteve.com. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again. And remember, the chamber is always waiting for its next victim. Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. An object resembling an asteroid enters the Earth's atmosphere, but when the Ultra Hawk 1, manned by Dan Furuhashi and Amagi, crash lands on its surface, they encounter the lethal reality of the strolling planet in the 32nd episode of Ultra 7. Regaining consciousness, the trio explores the floating island now settled in the vicinity of Mount Fuji and discovers an unoccupied, technologically advanced base from which strong electromagnetic waves are being emitted. The waves wreak havoc on the Earth's electronic systems, making it impossible for TDF base to communicate with the UltraGuard. Captain Kiriyama, along with Soga and Anne, attempt to rescue their companions in the pointer, but not even the weapons of their famous flying car can pierce the defenses of the base. When the floating island begins moving toward TDF headquarters, Dan is convinced that the entire asteroid is a time bomb and quickly formulates a plan to stop its advancement. Things go bad when he finds he cannot transform into Ultra 7 due to electromagnetic interference and they get worse when a space dragon lumbers into view and destroys the Ultra Hawk 1. Meanwhile, the Terrestrial Defense Force is considering a missile strike that would obliterate the threat, but would also take out half the Ultra Guard, and the moment of no return is seconds away. The strolling planet, alternatively titled the wandering planet, benefits from a strong beginning in which the trio of Amagi, Furuhashi, and Dan find themselves in almost immediate peril. And stunning moments, such as the destruction of the Ultra Hawk 1, and the malfunction of the Ultra Eye, by which Dan becomes Ultra 7. Notably absent, however, is the presence of a compelling villain. The asteroid is a completely faceless threat with no discernible motivation for its attack, and resident monster, Rigor, unable to provide any clues. What redeems that minor complaint is the surprise of a new capsule monster named Agara, a nimble, aggressive fighter who holds his own against the much larger Rigor. Agara, introduced to help boost ratings during Ultra 7's first run, reappeared in the 2009 movie Mega Monster Battle, and is featured in the current television and YouTube series, Ultraman Decker. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting. In fact, he may have been murdered. Murdered? 
a town terrorized by an unknown killer. And the killer hunt is on. Is it the village belle? Or her sweetheart? Is it the beloved doctor? Or the town drunk? Could it be the accommodating waitress? Or the stranger? What's your secret? Promise that to tell anyone? Sure. Well, I'm really the devil. But whoever the stranger is, he's raising the devil in town. And the devil's partner is busy, too. Mark Trail will take you into shocking terror. Half man, half beast. He sold his soul to the devil. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today, Derek and his guests are talking about the creature from the haunted sea. It was not featured in FM, and surprisingly, neither was Roger Corman, though many of his films did receive full coverage. I did find a blurb about the movie in an article about sea monster movies from issue 132, which was published March of 1977. Let's hear what it had to say. Spoiler alert! The Creature from the Haunted Sea, 1961 was a sea monster which killed a group of people searching for sunken treasure. That is all for this week's look at... I'm just kidding. I know you want more. In this same article, I found this cute anecdote from Uncle Forey about some real sea monsters. In a curious quirk of fate, Agosi lives in an oceanarium in Vancouver, Canada. Our editor tells us, With my own eyes, I saw him sprouting off late last July while on my way to Alaska. Of course, there was nothing unusual about this, as at the time he was a whale. Lugosi, a whale? Reincarnation? We always thought he was a whale of an actor, but... Tori continued, There's a performing white whale in a tank in the Vancouver, B.C. Oceanarium, and I thought I heard his girl trainer referring to him all during the act as Lugosi but I could hardly believe my ears. So after the performance, I went over and spoke to her. Incredibly, the name Lugosi didn't seem to ring a bella with the young lady, but she volunteered the information that a previous white whale had been named Bela. I finally found out why one whale was named Bela and the current one Lugosi. The type of mammal they are is known as a beluga whale. So obviously someone knew our Bela and made the association. So anyone wishing to see Lugosi in the flesh, you now know where to go. He'll pose for pictures, Forey adds, but he doesn't give autographs, even if you have a pen that will write underwater. Now that is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next time. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios. How much Jack you think's in that strong rock? There's plenty of Cuban sugar, though. Here's what happened. The general beat his friend Castro to the Cuban treasury. The strongbox is now on this boat. So are a deported American gangster and his mall. And lurking in the depths is the creature from the haunted sea. You're a crazy mixed-up kid. 
I am perfectly adjusted to my life of crime. Don't worry, Mary Bell. I'll save you. All right, be calm, everybody. The boat's insured. This is Count Vlad, but you may recognize me by my more familiar name, Count Dracula, and I'm here to offer you a friendly warning. Derek and his guests often get excited, and occasionally this results in revealing key plot points of the movies they're discussing. In your parlance, you might call these revelations spoilers. You know how the children of the night Ah, I mean monster kids can get sometimes. So consider yourself warned, and don't come begging to me to kill them for their transgressions afterward. I have more pressing issues to take care of, like that pesky Van Helsing. So, if I wasn't doing this tonight, guess where I would be? <sighs> Where's that? Carolina is running... Uh, Gamera, the 90s Gamera movies. What are you doing, man? Go! Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. I would rather be here with you. They're running the third one, second and third one the next week and the following Wednesday Dude, after okay. That. So I'm actually recording right this second, and we're opening with that yeah. because what are you doing? Tom! I've got my priorities right. Do you? I do. Do you, though? You're more important than Gamera to me, Derek. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> well, and Monster Kids are more important to me than Gamera also. All right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's Tom Greganis from Go Forth and Game. How you doing? I'm fantastic. <laughs> it's a good night. Oh, man. Well, we're... despite the fact that you're not watching Gamera on the big screen, what it... Dude, I've never... Oh. Yeah. It's Okay. It'll come back around. Like I said, next week will be, what is it, the second one of the modern era cameras, and then the third one after that. And then going into September, they're switching back over to, no, not September. Yeah, September, October, they're going into Godzilla movies. And, yeah, so they're doing Destroy All Monsters the week of my birthday. So I will be there for that, I hope. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And what's going on on the go forth and game from my friend? Trying to get motivated to get it rolling again. I've been reposting some stuff with Gen Con was a couple of weeks ago and I popped up uh, some older uh, interviews back up just to kind of get me motivated and rolling again. Uh, I've got. Did you go to Gen Con? Two. I did not. Oh, okay. Okay. No, no, but you know, I've got had friends there, and every you know, I was watching Twitter and Facebook, and everybody's like, "Oh, it's so great! It's so great! It's so great!" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I know." It's like you know when everybody's posting about Monster Bash, and we're like, oh, 
come on one day <laughs> one day so yeah there's the big thing you know, monster bash or gen con monster bash or gen con right now monster bash would win that one for sure yeah i'm just i'm not traveling right now because just financially yeah. and i'm still my health is not as robust as i'd like so i still worry about catching something um so yeah you know oh i miss it though i miss it well we'll get there one day and we'll have a big old party i hope so man i hope so yep and 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 steve will run manos role playing for us and a game of chill and a game of chill absolutely that's, that's my dream that's that my be dream so much fun oh god that would be fun wow Ugh, that gave me a chill Ah, <laughs> huh huh Ah, ah, yeah, for oh, listeners yeah, yeah. who don't know, Chill was a role-playing game that Steve Sullivan worked on back in the day, uh, horror role-playing game stuff. But, uh, yeah. you know, uh, as, as I mentioned on the most recent stream over the Monster Kid Movie Club on Twitch, y'all don't come to Monster Kid Radio to hear me gush about role-playing games. So, let's switch gears. Let's get to what okay. we are here to talk about, which is a movie that was released originally as part of a double feature with a movie called Devil's Partner from 1958. Now, we're not going to talk about Devil's Partner too much because I don't think I've seen it. But based on what I've read about it, what were they thinking? I've not read <laughs> anything about Devil's Partner either. It's, you know, it, it looks like it's pretty intense. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, I have goat to go sacrifice. Look for it now. Hex. You know, Summoning the devil and you know, is oh, people being trampled and, by horses and, and just dude. But for whatever reason, it got sat on for a few years until Corman's company picked it up and it's like, hey, let's double feature this with this movie that we shot over the course of five days that yeah. everybody had a hard time making because they were just laughing too much at the monster. What, right? <laughs> what, yeah, yeah, that that goes together so well. Oh, man, I suppose it depends on which one you show first. I guess for me, right. I'd probably start with Creature from the Haunted Sea, having yeah. not seen Devil's Partner. Devil's Partner may be awful. I don't know. I'm not seeing it. Right. Uh, right. I can yeah. guarantee you I'm going to watch it here soon, though, because I'm curious. But yeah. Yeah, me too. Uh, but Creature from the Haunted Sea, which despite the poster, which looks like a decent 50s, early 60s monster movie poster, is really just a comedic kind of goof of a film. Yeah, that poster is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I mean, Corman's team did some fantastic posters. Well, they that's, uh, that's how you put the butts on the seats, man. Yeah, exactly. You, know? you make the poster first, and then you build the movie around that's it. That's right. That's right. Yep. Um, Speaking, okay, before we get too yeah. far into uh, just talking about Corman right now, um, if a couple of things. If anybody listening has not seen um, Cultastic, over on, I think it's on Shout TV. Um, you should go see it because it's a really, really good series uh, of interviews with Corman about his movies and him making his movies. And I've grown to super appreciate Corman. Uh, I think he's probably one of the great geniuses of filmmaking. And he's just so much fun to listen to and he has such a great voice also so 
go listen or, and watch whatever interviews you can of Roger Corman because he's 90-something years old. He's not going to be with us too terribly much longer. Um, and then I finished reading How I Made 100 Movies in Hollywood and Never Lost a Dime, yep. which is his biography. It's fantastic. Yeah. So you should go pick up a copy of that, too. Uh, I will make sure there's links to uh, various Roger Corman products, yep. documentaries, whatever, in the show notes. And please consider using cool. the show notes uh, when you are shopping for Amazon, because we're an Amazon affiliate, and it helps us out a little bit. Yep. Uh, but also, you know, I try to curate uh, specific purchasing opportunities, I suppose you can call yep. them, mm -hmm. based on the episodes right. here. I've not seen Cultastic. I've heard about it. I'd like to see it. Uh, Roger Corman, last time I heard anything from him interview-wise, he's still with it, still has tons yep. of stories, still loves he's talking about movies. Tack. Yeah, dude's really got it going on still. He really does. Um, despite the fact that he made a movie in the course of five days, is really pretty darn ridiculous. But you know, I'm not judging the film. Getting into the movie and, and a little bit of the background of it. Why was it made in five days? They'd gone to Puerto Rico to shoot two other movies, The uh, Last Woman on Earth, which he was directing, and Battle of Blood Island, I believe is what it was called, the World War II that he was, movie that he was producing. They shot the, they gave two weeks for The um, Last Woman on Earth, and it, the Filming went so well, they had some time left over, and Corman found out, too, that uh, it was really, really cheap to make movies in Puerto Rico. <laughs> so he was down there, and he called called um, Griffin, the guy who wrote the screenplay, and said, hey, I need you to write a, a horror comedy. I got time to make one. We're going to make one more movie while we're down here. Get it done. And send it to me, and apparently they finished it up. And I don't know if Robert Town worked on the screenplay summit. Oh, I think he might have, although he may have been writing. I think he was writing Last Woman on Earth, not this one. Well, Charles B. Griffith, he mentioned Griffith. Charles B. Yes. Griffith was the writer of this, yep, yep, okay. uh, and he worked on a number of Corman projects, Bucket of right. Blood, Little Shop of Horrors, uh, I think he did Death Race 2000. Just did a mm -hmm. lot of this. Uh, a lot of what Quentin Tarantino has called redneck cinema. So, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay, okay. I can see that, um, yeah. He did appear on screen in a few things as well, but he was primarily a behind-the-scenes guy. Um, right. And there are a ton of movies that he did work <laughs> on, but he never really got credited for. Okay. So, uh, but Charles Griffith is one of those names that if you start to really do a deep dive in the kind of movies that we talk about here on the show, the kind of movies we enjoy, his name's going to come up. Yep. Cool. Yeah, because I knew I, just in reading and passing that he had done Little Shop of Horrors. Excuse me. And Corman says in the book, he, said, he called him from Puerto Rico and said, I need another horror comedy. You got you know, three days to get, get me a draft or something like that. And one of the productionists, the production assistant who was working on another movie for Corman was flying down to Puerto Rico and, and she was bringing the script with her or something like that. So, you know, but yeah, it's like, oh, hey, we've got some extra time. We've got some film left over. Uh, let's, let's make a Washington movie. <laughs> Which is so Corman, right? I mean, yeah, we, we know the story behind The Terror, for example. You know, right. the Karloff mm -hmm. film with uh, Jack Nicholson, which 
turned out to be a decent little flick. Right. You know, yeah. and I, I would say that that's probably a more successful experiment at that than this was. I'm not. Right. Okay. Here on Monster Kid Radio, I try real hard to be positive. So I, I hope people don't think that I'm, I'm I'm trying to, you know, really take a shot at this film because I'm not. Um, I did enjoy this movie, but I recognize yeah. the warts. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, that's it's funny you say that because like the first time I saw this, I didn't care for it. Really? Um, yeah. And and that's been years ago, and I didn't get it at the time that it was a comedy first, and with monster stuff kind of worked into it. You know, you know, it was a horror comedy. It wasn't just a straight monster movie. Uh, I didn't, I didn't pick that up or wasn't in the right mind when I saw it the first time. But then, you know, the last few years I've watched it, uh, and you know, I watched it for the show just to remind me. I really like it. It's a fun movie. Uh, if if you just go into it knowing that, you know, it's not take completely taking itself seriously. I mean, it was written as a spoof. Um. And that's how they're they're playing it. And if you got that in mind when you watch it, you'll you probably enjoy it a lot more. Yeah, I think if you go into it knowing, and I think once we start to really look at the monster in this, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you know it's not something that's going to be taken too seriously because the monster is pretty silly. It's a hundred and fifty dollar monster, <laughs> if that. Man. If that's no, that was that's one of the um, the quotes in the Corman book. Oh, really? Uh, they yeah, they're talking to uh, Beach. What's Beach's last name? Um, the guy who played Pete. So he was the sound guy. Beach Dickerson and Beach Dickerson and uh, Corman went to him and said, "Hey, we're doing a monster movie. I need you to build us a monster." Him and and one of the other guys. And I'm like, we've never done that before, and. And Corman's like, well, no, we're doing monster movie. You need to build some monster. And he's like, Roger, I don't know what I'm doing. Go, you need to go build us a monster. And I'm like, okay, fine. So they, he said they went and talked. Him and the other guy talked about it a little bit. Went back to Roger. Said, what's our budget? And and Roger said, how much do you need? And he said, well, probably 150 dollars. Okay, fine, go. And and they pulled stuff from the previous movie, the the World War Two movie, and used it to make the monster. Like moth, they like glued moss to it, and and Brillo pads, and all ping pong balls, and tennis balls, and just kind of just threw stuff together. And it shows. It does. Yeah. It's not necessarily scary or creepy. Uh, it's just fun. When we talk about monster, low-budget monster movies from the 50s in particular, and we start to see it a little bit in the 40s, but I think in the 50s when it really starts to kick in, there's, there's a, a real defined aesthetic yeah. for what these monsters look like. I respond really well to them. I love them. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you put them in the water. But there's this, right. there's this aesthetic that I really respond well to. It's something that Mitch Gonzalez seems to be able to uh -huh. tap into really well with the movies yep. he works on with Christopher R. Mim. Uh, and even before Mitch Gonzalez came along uh, for the Mim films, if you go to the very first Christopher R. Mim movie, Monster Phantom Lake, yep. 
you can't tell me that monster wasn't at least inspired by or walked through the same room with <laughs> the creature this from the one. haunted sea, you know. Absolutely. You, you can't help but see it. The monster itself is it's a wetsuit with a bunch of stuff glued on it and some oil yep. cloth and some ping pong googly eyes and that's about it. Pipe yep. cleaner fingers, you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. But but it appears on screen so rarely. I was actually a little surprised with how much it's how much time it spends off screen. Yeah. I was really surprised yeah. by that because you, you think about Corman and this is not a dig. This is just a feature. Corman's an exploitation filmmaker. You know, mm-hmm. he's going to put everything he possibly can on screen to get the most bang for his buck. So I was surprised as I'm watching this at the restraint. And maybe it's because it does look a little goofy and the cast had a hard time keeping a straight face. But yeah, I was really surprised at the restraint. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you see it brief. Well, you see part of it not too far into the movie. And then you get glimpses of it, you know, throughout some little teasers until the very end when it just, you know, everything breaks loose and it's all over the screen chasing everybody down and stuff. Um, but. It's it's not it could have been a lot worse, I think. I think they did a, a good job with what they had, and the fact you know, right, the corner's like you know we got this we got to make this movie in five days, and that's just it, you know. And they went and they did it. They made a movie in five days. That's that's a fun movie. But uh, you were speaking of that fifties aesthetic. Um, I recently read um, the biography of Paul Blaisdell. Mm, that's a good book. Oh, that's such a good book. And I felt so bad for him after uh, how he got treated and everything because he was another one of those, you know, genius kind of people who could make something really nice out of nothing. Yeah. And that's one thing I don't didn't like about Corman is he did not treat Blaisdell as well as he should have. Because if if... If Blaisdell had not gotten fed up with Corman not paying him what he was worth, and they had come to, you know, a good agreement, and Blaisdell would have been continue working for Corman, well, we'd have gotten, we might have gotten a really decent monster in this movie. Maybe. Yeah. But anyways, back to the actual movie. Cuba is falling apart. People are trying to get out of Cuba with money. Some American spy comes up with this plan (laughs) to help some Cuban military and exiles get out of Cuba with a bunch of Cuban money. And there's a monster. (laughs) Uh, There's not a real monster. So, okay. The plan is we're going to kill everybody off and blame it on a monster. Uh Uh-oh, there's really a monster. There really is a monster. Yeah, so, um, and they're dealing with that. There is a kind of sort of shipwreck. At one point, I believe it's mentioned in the dialogue that the water isn't very deep. Yeah, right. we, we are in shallow waters here. So they're not like in the middle of the sea or whatever, the ocean. They're yeah, not in trouble, you know. They're like 30 feet of water or something yeah. like that. It's not really, it's deep enough they're scuba diving. Right. It's deep enough that a monster looking- can hide in. 
but it's yeah, it's not exactly. so deep that Corman couldn't afford to go and shoot it. Um, right. <laughs> uh, the island they end up on, there's some locals, some natives that apparently there's a telephone. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. What that was that? weird. Just randomly find this, a telephone. See, and that's on the, uh, right on the on the side of a cliff next to the ocean. Yeah, and not like on the edge of the cliff, like down on the side of the right. cliff, right next to the sea. Like, what? 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 <laughs> yeah. And I, I kept. I, I. I think now. Oh, somebody swam. There's a. There's a. a, a big you know ma bell cable out there in the water somewhere somebody took some wire and went went out there and patched into it and and this is as far as the wire would reach for the phone yeah <laughs> but it, yeah because they land on this island thinking there's nobody there and then all these you know several people show up and they're like oh okay <laughs> you know and, at one point, and they all fall in love and at one point the the i don't is he a general i don't know what he is but he tells his men to go build some lean-tos because we don't know how long we're going to be yeah. here. Cut to the next shot, and yes. it's it's a it's a far far shot. So where you see like a big chunk of the beach or whatever, and the men have you know palm fronds or whatever, and they're starting to they have palm fronds and they're starting to drag them over to where they're going to build some lean-tos. But why bother? There are buildings already here. There yes. are structures yes. already here. Fortunately, some of the locals even speak English. <laughs> Right. And uh, and other languages. And other languages. Yes. Which is played for laughs. And uh, yep. Uh it's great. Uh, yeah. Oh, and speaking of played for laughs, you mentioned beach earlier. Yeah. This guy makes animal sounds. I I guess that was a thing. Um uh, it must have been. It's it's not like a Michael Winslow from Police Academy kind of thing, which is kind of like, okay, that's funny, haha. <laughs> This is, we're just going to put some sound effects over him aping around or mimicking animal movements. And right. he finds some his true love with a woman who does it back to him. So, Right, yeah. They're, they're a match made in heaven. Or Cuba. Speaking, or Cuba. <laughs> or, or Puerto Rico. Or wherever they were, yeah. Wherever they were. Yeah, you know, the, and that was, I guess, what, probably one of the things when I, the first time I saw this that, put me off yeah is i got tired of that really fast but then i'm like well why am i getting upset this is just fun you know and beach dickerson is such a a goofy looking guy and he's <laughs> he really you know, is he's playing he's playing you know the the right arm of this gangster guy who's running the boat and has the the uh the idea of killing off these cuban military guys to steal the gold and but he talks mostly when he opens his mouth some kind of animal sound comes out and it could be anything you know a gorilla a lion a chicken you know a parrot it, or you know he probably did a fiddler crab at some point in time <laughs> but you know he's just walking around when he meets this woman he's walking around through the the jungle and he hears this noise, you know, this animal cry, and he makes one kind of back, and it echoes back to him. And then he shows them, and they're getting closer and closer to each other. And finally, they're within sight, and they start making the noises back and forth. And it's just a fun little bit. It's exactly what it is. she's there it's a with bit. them the whole rest of the time. So much of this movie is a bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. And 
once you accept that, I think once you start to wrap your head around that, the movie becomes a lot more fun and a lot more enjoyable oh, and yeah. tolerable. I, I can see where you're coming from uh, upon your first view. And, and honestly, I, I don't remember what my first viewing was for this. This is one of those movies that I always have known about. And I've always known that I've seen. Right. But I don't know if I could have told you anything about it other than, you know, it's a Corman low-budget thing and it's got that goofy-looking monster. Right. Um, but yeah, so much of this movie is a bit. The, the sound effects stuff with the mm-hmm. animal sound effects or the... Yep kind of sort of love triangle rectangle thing or the random yeah, character that we, yeah, the, the random character that turns up who's in love with somebody who's really in love with the other person but then the right. sound effects woman's daughter is available and now they're in love and they're going to get married but she doesn't speak a lick of english so right you know, all the funny haha that comes from that you know it's it's all a series of bits Yep. And none of it's really to be taken too seriously. And and literally, right. people are dying in this movie. Not just yes. monsters killing people, but members of the cast, are, or characters anyway, of the cast, are murdering each other. Yeah. And there's yeah. no, like, consequence to that. <laughs> it just kind of happens. Right. And nobody yep. seems to be bothered by it. So, Yeah, it, it's it, the bits part is very true because it, the... To me, I, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention. I think that's part of it when I first watched this. I didn't pay a lot of attention to the Sparks Moran character, the spy. His because he narrates the whole story, so he's kind of a re, he's recapping what happened in through the story and is narrating in parts of it. His dialogue in in there is is just hilarious in some places. It's just amazing. He's when he's describing Mary Bell, you know, <laughs> that she's the gun. Mo- Everybody's pretty sure she was a gun mall of, of uh, I don't know, Bugsy Mar- uh, or one of the, the guys who started Las Vegas. I can't remember his name because she he sends her a Rolls Royce every year for her birthday. And it's never <laughs> been proven, but we're they're pretty sure she took a Tommy gun to some police chief's convention and killed everybody there and she was finally busted for selling heroin at boys town <laughs> you know oh, okay uh, you can't dream this stuff up no it's so much fun i mean i can just imagine them sitting around and and you know when the script comes in and and corman toning it up or everybody's sitting around and they're working, you know, getting the dialogue squared away. What was it? Oh, Robert Towns like, oh yeah. Sparks a bit. He, he talked like this. He's going to make a radio out of hot dogs and pickles. And I just imagine, I want to know what that conversation was like. I wish I was in the room when the actors were given the script and I'm just, trying to imagine because i've heard roger corman speak i've met the man you know when he was at the lovecraft film festival one year um right. i so i know what his voice is like and you know we've heard him plenty of times in interviews right. and i can just hear him in his voice telling people we wrote the script in three days you know yeah. and that explains everything right in the first can you imagine the first read through oh my god and they're like can, i don't well, even, I, I can't imagine well, there even was a read through Oh, what, right. You're, I can't imagine there was. Right. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. They got the scripts, you know, the day before or something like that or the night before. And they're like, okay, have your lines ready. We're shooting these scenes. Be ready. And, you know, reading it was like, 
what in the world I'm supposed to say this? Okay. None of it makes sense. Well, that's okay. So she can do narration later to make it all make sense. Right. Which exactly. makes it even more nonsensical. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I will say the, the first scene of the, the chase where the spy guys getting chased by some bad guys, you know, you, so this should be a clue when the very first scene, the first shot is a guy polishing a white tennis shoe. <laughs> He's yeah. giving a white tennis shoe a shoe shine. And I'm like, okay, that should clue you in on what you're getting ready to see. Yeah. Yeah. But that first chase scene was actually pretty well done, I thought. You know, there's a lot of this movie, and, you know, I talk about how it's a series of bits, and it really is, but some of the sequences, they, they kind of work. Yeah. There are some moments in here that, remind us that Corman wasn't just a guy play acting at being a filmmaker. He was able to put a story together. He's able to string these things together and make them make sense. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's a, it's a movie and with a, a, <laughs> it's, well, a it's a movie. With, yeah, it's a movie I have thoughts about, <laughs> um, but there's a story there. I mean, and it, it, it within itself, it, makes some kind of sense. So I mean from the outside looking in it it's you know uh, a hot mess in places. Sure. But if you're on the inside with the characters it's not not unreasonable no. except for the monster. It's it's a um, comedy first and foremost. Exactly. It's a comedy yeah. first and foremost. So you know ch check your expectations at the door here. Um it's designed to make you kind of laugh a little bit and it's not to be taken yeah. too seriously. Making comedy is hard. I have yeah. a ton of respect for people who are able to consistently create something that makes me smile and laugh, especially since I am kind of hard to make smile and laugh because I, I find a lot of so-called comedies to be kind of dumb a lot of times. Yeah. So I have a hard time kind of checking out. Uh, I, I am fortunate in that I am good friends with people who are very good at this. Um, right. I'm going to put them on the spot. I've said this about him before. Scott Morris, regular contributor to Monster Kid Radio. Been a while since he's been yep. on the show, but he's always on the stream. Um, he is so funny and so quick-witted. <laughs> and I could have, I could totally see him being told, okay, make a comedy with a monster. We're going to shoot it in three days. Um, and put in the scene with the pickle and the hot dog and the radio, and yeah. I could see him turning something out. Um, yeah, I could not because I don't. I don't either. do this. This is no. not my strength. And I think what I'm going, where I'm going with all of this, is that ultimately, Corman's strength was not horror filmmaker. Corman's strength was not monster movie guy or sci-fi guy or whatever. Corman's strength was. He was a filmmaker, period. Right. And whether he is given or creates a story like this or the terror or any of the other things that we know Corman for. Right. Yeah. He, he, he could make it happen. He could make and, it happen. And, yeah. And knew how to pull, put a, he knew how to shoot a story. He really and did. It, that's, yeah. 
that's his gift. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sometimes he did use people up like they were resources like PlaySale, you know, and, yep. and, and yep. I've heard some negative things about him over the years, you know, from previous relationships and things like that. But bottom line is, is he's able to put together a story and even though this one may look like it's being held together by the slimmest of threads, it still kind of works. Yeah, it does. I really, I really enjoyed it this last time. I was paying a lot of attention to the dialogue and the interaction between the characters and all. And there's some really fun lines in there. And and the Robert Towns character, Sparksman, the spy, is just hilarious because he's head over heels in love with this gun mall Mary Bell, who's the the fiance of the main gangster guy and he's just oh let me you always let me take you away from this and she's just doesn't want to have anything to do with him at all why would i want to leave you know i can i have all, everything i want i'm basically rich and i can go wherever i want to and he you know she has no time for him at all and he's just like the puppy doll right behind her all the time yeah yeah I wrote down one one line that was just hilarious to me, and it's something that that I can I could see having written back when I was in when Mike and I were writing comic strip back then. Uh, but the so the the Sparks Moran guy, the spy guy, is narrating the through the whole film, and the, at some point towards the end of the film, he says, "It was dusk." I could tell because the sun was going down. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, um, that is such a great little <laughs> bit right there. Uh, and of course, during that shot, it was um, not day for, I mean, it was technically day for night, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah. really but what we're seeing here is what, you would consider something in vignette mode if you were on Instagram. The the and <laughs> the the picture is pretty normal in the center, and then the edges have this kind of cut out darkness around the edge. A little bit. That's yeah. about it. That's the only thing. The very next shot, back to normal lighting. Back but to normal. That lighting. shot, yeah. I can tell because the sun had gone down. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we needed to be told that it was dusk. All right, everybody. It's we dusk got that. Now. You got it. You got it. You're good. You're all in the dark. Okay. Just okay. remember, you're all in the dark now. Act like you're, you know, the sun's going down. It's not, but you need to act that way. <laughs> yeah. I can see Cormac. All right. Let's go. Oh, yeah, we, boy. We're, we're on the clock. Come on. Come on. <laughs> we're come on the on. clock, people. <laughs> yep. But, you know, they, and, and we keep, I keep mentioning him because he's my favorite character, but you know, it, it was, uh, I'm trying to think of, um, oh, oh, cause he, he's in the movie according to the book because, uh, Corman needed him to finish writing the last woman on earth, which was one of the movies they went down there to shoot. And so Robert town is, is, sequestered apparently in one of the rooms in the in the big house that they rented and while everybody else is out shooting on uh, blood island and he's back in the place writing 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 and uh the only re only way corman could justify paying 
for to have him down there to do that is if he brought him down and put him in one of the movies to as an actor you know so he could pay for him he basically corman's getting double duty out of him to finish writing this script and oh by the way you're going to be in the movie because it's really the only way i can justify bringing you down here <laughs> i'm not so but he ended up being in both of the movies he's in last woman on earth as one of the main characters also yeah so i mean it worked out for him and and in the end later on he's one of the you know big screenwriters in the following years after that yeah. so he cut his teeth on corman's movies much like a lot of people did yeah that's the thing they refer to it as what the corman school it's right it's, it's a real thing you know francis ford coppola jack nicholson james cameron you know Adonis. ron howard you know they, they yeah. all came up through the corman school joe dante a little bit oh joe dante because you know, he yeah. cut a lot of trailers for him you right. know it's a thing it's real and yeah you know how how amazing man if i had an opportunity to work on a corman film you know it'd be Wouldn't all that over be, it, dude yeah drop everything and go kind of thing yeah I, all right roger yeah <laughs> Derek, Derek's available don't know if that yeah. that ex if that really exists anymore i know that his he hasn't directed a film since frankenstein unbound right. which i actually really like but um yeah, I don't know. Yeah, or or Corman's protege, who's who's the next Corman coming up? Hey, right, you know, Derek's available. <laughs> well, Anybody? Again, let's let's not get carried he, away. He, he um, well, <laughs> he could be he can be purchased for a very large price. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> to do to do sound work for your movie or acting, we'll work for popcorn. Um, <laughs> no, no, don't, don't say yourself <laughs> short, man. <laughs> You're worth more. That's a whole lot of pop. You know, that's, that's Empire State pulling full of popcorn right there. <laughs> oh man. But I was going to, before we get away from anything else, we we're talking about the actors. Yeah. Um, I don't know a lot about the guy who played the main heavy Lorenzo, but Betsy Jones Moreland, who plays Mary Bell, a.k.a. Bell Mary, a.k.a. I can't remember her last Maitland or something like that. But when when she's being described, it's just a matter of switching her names back and forth in sequence in, in about four or five different aliases. But Betsy Jones Moreland, I think, is really does a really good job in this movie. Oh, yeah. She's really fun, and and she's in, um, she's the last woman on earth in that movie also, and I'm trying to think if I've seen her in anything else. I didn't write down what else. Oh, she's in uh, Viking Women, the big long titled Viking Woman song that Cor or movie that Vi that uh, Corman did, apparently. Although I don't remember her. The saga of the Viking women and the something, something, something right. of the sea serpent. Yeah, the saga of the Viking women, uh, let's see, and their voyage to the waters of the great sea serpent. Right. Wow. Which is an interesting movie. You know, you'd think with a title like that, they would have just put the words on the poster and called it good because it would fill up so much space. No, there's right. still a cool, it's still a cool movie poster. So. Oh, yeah. 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 But she's. 
she reminds me a lot of Allison Hayes in the way she looks. Oh yeah. And I used to think that that's who it was. I thought it was Allison Hayes for a while. And but you know, I she's pretty good. And and in the Last Woman on Earth, which I don't particularly care for, um, she's good in that. But I just the the movie just is not. I just don't care it's, for that. It's not movie as good much. as some of the other Corman. No, it's not as good as this one, in my opinion. Wow. Yeah. No. I. I it's not as. Uh, entertaining let me put it that way it's not as entertaining as this movie and i had started i was going to try to watch that and blood island the battle of uh the battle on blood island or battle for blood island or something like that and this one also since they were all made at the same time to to pick up on stuff but i didn't get finished with the battle of blood island it looks pretty good to start with though and the um the guy who plays lorenzo in this movie is one of the two main characters in that movie. Okay. So that one's on the list for later along with the devil's partner now. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I need to see that film. I, I just yep. need to see the film. Oh, I'm, I'm looking at my notes. Um, I'm speaking of Betsy Jones, Moreland and Mary Bell. Mary Bell has a song in this movie. She does sing, doesn't she? she? Is- she sings in this movie, and know what she sings about? She sings about the creature from the haunted sea. Yeah, that's the 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 what the subject of the song is. She's talking about this creature that lives in this haunted sea. I'm like, okay, if you hadn't gotten it by now, you know, <laughs> the movie's self-referencing right here. Okay, so you should figure out that this is actually not taking itself very seriously. Not at all. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, opening credits animation done by uh, the guy who ended up working for Mad Magazine for Sergio yep. Aragonese. Yep. Aragonese. I think it's Aragonese. I thought so. Yeah, that, that is him. It was before Mad Magazine was a thing. Yep. Or at least I don't know what the history of Mad Magazine is, to be honest. Bad monster kid, but um, this was before he was working 50s. on him, on it. So Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, and I love his work. He's so one really good. Grew Grew the Wanderer is a fantastic comic book. Yeah. If anybody is interested in more of his work. Uh, and the music by Fred Katz, according to some of the things that I've yep. read online, I'd have to double check. But uh, apparently Fred Katz was very Corman-esque in that uh, if he was asked to do a soundtrack, a lot of times he would just kind of sell the same soundtrack back again. Yes, I said did. Yeah, I was like, so uh, yeah, I need a new soundtrack? Cool. Here's one. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if he ever pulled that on Corman. <laughs> you know, okay, and I'm not again. I, I'm not going to get into some of the negative things that I've heard, but it kind of would serve Corman right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and you know what? He'd be like, "Fine, but I'm not paying you a normal rate." <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. Because hey, it's quicker. You know, I don't have to wait for you to compose something new if you want to sell me something used this is used music i'm not gonna pay brand new price for used music there you go yep uh i know i did run across an interesting little tidbit about this movie okay um so the creature pops up in an episode of muppet babies what 
Yeah, I was, I don't know how I found that out. I was looking through some stuff on the online and I, it, I don't know where it was referenced, but there's something that says Muppet Babies and I clicked on it and yeah, it's an episode of Muppet Babies and the creature's like carrying Miss Piggy around in this one scene and I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. Okay then. <laughs> yeah. So, so, ah, so that would mean maybe the monster could pop up in a Disney movie now. Oh boy. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, it, we'll it does the feel Star Wars movie. Oh, it does have a weird kind of Muppet vibe, doesn't it? The monster itself does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, the cool thing though, as, as wonky as the monster is, the underwater scenes, it, all in all, the underwater scenes were shot pretty well. Um, yeah. They're not awful. They're not terrible. I couldn't figure out if they were in a an aquarium or not. I think they probably were, but I couldn't tell you for sure if it was, you know, in an aquarium with the, you know, where they made the set with the the um, the wreck and all on the bottom. But it seemed the water seemed a pretty calm to if it, if it was actually filmed out you know, on own location. But who knows? I didn't see anything about that. Yeah, I don't know. It would have to be somewhere in Puerto Rico, though, because it was filmed in Puerto Rico. And Corman had nothing but good things to say about the Puerto Rican actors that they hired. That they paid a dollar a day? Yeah, yeah. they paid a dollar a day, but <laughs> you know, they earned that dollar, I can tell you that. Oh man, what what a weird little flick, dude. So I also didn't know this also, but apparently it's been remade. Okay, so I actually stumbled across that as well. Um, it was remade in 2019 by okay. a filmmaker named Tegan Craft. Now at one point, right. this was available online on YouTube to see. Okay. Unfortunately, it has been marked as private at this point. So I okay. can't see it. None of us nope. can. Okay. I have reached out to her. I assume it's a her. I have reached okay. out to her. I have not heard back. I think it's a he. You think Tegan is a he? Because I, I look. Oh, when you're I saw right. It, I yep. Tegan on. plays Renzo it's, Capetto. Yep. Plays Renzo. Yeah. And his fiance. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Right. So if anybody so, knows hey, anything maybe, about oh. Tegan. Ooh. What's that? That's where you may be going with this. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if they gave you permission to run that on the stream? That's what I was about to say. If anybody has any contact with uh, Mr. Tegan Croft, <laughs> I would love to show this on the stream. That would be awesome. You could run them both. Yeah, it was a back-to-back, -back, sure. Yeah, because this is in public domain, yeah, the, the original. Which is, I'm sure, how this group got away with remaking the movie. Right. Because according right. to the Internet Movie Database, they spent $210 on the film. <laughs> Oh my <laughs> boy, this, we got to see this now. Yes, right? uh, Mr. Crass, please, can we see your movie? I know, I know. I, uh, I've i reached out to them through their website. I've not had any luck finding Tegan Craft on things like Facebook. Right. Uh, there's a lot of you know, women named Tegan Craft, and I think that's why I thought it was a she. But I've not yeah. found 
any leads there. So if anybody has any leads on this 2019 version of Creature from the Haunted Sea, which originally on their movie poster had the word creature misspelled, uh, I would love to see it. <laughs> yeah, that would be sweet. Oh, right, man. So re I was thinking remake as I'm watching this. All right, so because I didn't know at the time that there was a remake, but what if what if this was remade and and somebody, let's say Joe Dante, you know, because he can pull the money and it could be a new Joe Dante movies remaking Creature from the Haunted Sea. It's got some budget. Cast it. Who would you have in the various roles? Oh, I've got I've got one 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 definitive that I think would be awesome in Sparks Moran role in the spy role. Who? Nicholas Cage. Oh, no. Wouldn't oh, that be no. cool? <laughs> yes. Oh, somebody tell Nicholas Cage about this right now. Yeah, because he's this, narrating it the whole time. Uh, this, you is, know? this is, this is, oh, oh, man. He would play this up so cool. <laughs> and I couldn't think of who would play Renzo. The first, if, if we're doing it in like the 90s, you know, when, you know, Nicholas Cage is a old, old like he is now, like the rest of us are now. Um, uh, walking, walking might be good for that, but he may be a little aged out on that too. Yeah, interesting. Uh, as Renzo. But I couldn't, couldn't, I mean, for some reason, I'm looking at, Robert Town and as Sparks Moran and he's the he's doing something and the narration's going and uh, Nicholas Cage popped into my head. I think it's in maybe in the nightclub scene when he's meeting with the other spy at the beginning of the movie. And I just went, "Wow, Nicholas Cage would be cool in this." Oh boy. What yeah. a what a weird oh man. He's done lots of weird stuff. This would be right, perfect for him. All right, somebody get Nicolas Cage on the line. That's right. We got a movie and for Joe him. <laughs> and, and, and Derek can work on the movie, too. Oh, man. Hey, you could be the monster. Well. <laughs> no, we'll get Mitch. The, Mitch Gonzalez can make the monster. I'm sure he can put something together for, you know, for 25 bucks or whatever, however much he yeah. spent on it. I, 150 bucks. <laughs> I bet he could do it for 149 <laughs> oh man oh my I don't have any more notes la 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 oh oh there was one note we were talking about you know, all the, the interesting descriptions of the characters because the, the, they're really really fun and, and, and so hodgepodge and we were talking about Beach Dickerson's character, Pete Peterson Jr. And the reason that he speaks in animal sounds is because his dad was a vaudevillian um, animal calls person. <laughs> so that was his, his job in vaudeville was to do as animal impersonator. And Pete Jr., mind got broken from watching too many Clark Gable movies. <laughs> so that's where this movie got, you know, it's just like, I, it would just be so much fun to have been there when this was getting written and 
like the first time everybody was reading the script. Yeah, that's uh, which is that's really amazing. yeah that that's the thing, right? To have been in the room yes. when this was placed in front of the cast, and I'm sure part of it was, hey, it's a job. I'll do what you're going to pay me. I'll yeah. say whatever say whatever you want me to say. Right, but exactly. I can't help but imagine what what would have gone through their head. <laughs> yeah, I and and it also makes because the guy uh, Griffith wrote we mentioned this he wrote little shop of horrors yeah and and you know that's that was so success i mean if i'm remembering right little shop of horrors is like really kind of the first horror comedy i don't know if it's the first but it's pretty up there but, yeah yeah or was successful enough that Co that corman's like hey this is i'm on to something here sure you know and so hey let's write and let's give me another one of those and which is, I'm sure, how he said it to Griffith. Just, I need another little shop of horrors. We're going, we got, you know, a couple hundred feet of film. We need to make a new movie because I'm not going to let this film go to waste. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I can imagine that conversation being just like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's something that's cool. The, uh, the, the, uh, Cubans, the, the, Character's name for the Cubans were General Tostada and Colonel Cabeza Grande. Yeah. yeah. Comedy. Comedy, man. That's all comedy right there. <laughs> That's golden comedy. What else can we say about this movie other than it's super fun and you should go see it. You should find it because it's easy to find on stream. Uh, I watched it on Prime so I wouldn't have any commercials, but I know it's on Tubi. Now, I believe this here's, the, here's the big question. Yeah. Was yours in black and white or color? Because for some reason, <sighs> legend colorized this thing. Yes. Don't know why, <laughs> but they did. I've not watched the colorized version. You what? I've not watched the colorized version. So there is, um, there, there are some clips. If you go to right. the Internet Movie Databases listing for this film, there are mm. some clips of the movie in color. And okay. it is, I don't know how good your transfer was, but my version of the movie was scratchy and beat up. Uh, there's a weird editing jump where it kind of skips and goes back a second or two when mm. uh, we're being introduced to uh, Mango. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Mango. There's this weird jump there. Um, but the color version seems to look a lot better than it has any right to. Oh, wow. So I'm curious. Legend is the same group that uh, colorized Plan 9 from Outer Space, but I believe they're also who Ray Harryhausen worked with to colorize some of okay. his movies. I think right. I could be mistaken there. Uh, okay. My, my knowledge of people who decide they have to colorize black and white movies is not as deep as it should be. Um, right. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm curious. Listeners, have you seen the movie in color? If so... Does it change the experience for you? I'm real curious. Yeah, so you can write in, you know, send in an email or an audio clip, MP3, whatever, to MonsterKidRadio. At gmail.com. Gmail.com, and, and you can get on the show as in the feedback segment. Do it. That's how I got into podcasting was by feedback. So. It it can lead to grand and glorious things. Is that what happens when you get into podcasting? 
grand and glorious. Yeah, I, I, I'm. It's a mindset there. It's a mindset. Okay, because I was still waiting. Yeah, you have <laughs> you, you you have glory. You just don't know about it. I just haven't gotten into the mail yet. I'm still waiting for my Hall That's of right. Fame. So, <laughs> I said, oh my gosh, you're still waiting for your Hall for your Rondo. All right, guys, get on the sticks. Then Eric is Rondo, and don't say it got lost in FedEx. <laughs> he need, they you know he needs bookends. Oh, okay. Here's the worst part. I have a place picked out for it already. Okay. Uh, it's not in this room. I actually have a little shelf uh, when you walk into my home with my uh, other Rondo, my silver bolo, and a few other things. It's like my little award shelf. So, yeah. yeah. Right when you walk in the door, so it's right in your face. Yeah, pretty much, you know, because I'm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any awards, so I don't it's, know what you're supposed it's to do. Only, with it's only, okay, it's not because it's just right in my face. It's there because. Um, I do. Uh, that was where it's, I was going to do some YouTubing, and I thought it would be cool to have in the background. Uh, yeah, yeah, cool. Well, I don't know what else there is to say about uh, no. this film, uh, other than I really dig it now. Um, I do, too. I, I'm glad to hear um, that, because it, it can sometimes be a little bit of a hard sell, I think, when it comes to, quote-unquote, dumb little comedies. And this one kind of could go that route. Nope, I've actually put, put it on my uh, Amazon wish list. Wow, the, and the DVD version. I don't want. I don't want to see the cleaned up. I mean, I don't want to see it real sharp and everything because I don't think it would stand up well to the, a Blu-ray treatment. Maybe trans. You asked about the transfer. The transfer on Prime is actually really good. Yeah. I didn't notice any. It's not real muddy or anything like that. It's pretty sharp. It's not DV or um, um, modern day sharp, but it's it looks good. I didn't, didn't, I don't remember going, oh, wow, this is crummy because, you know, you can see some stuff. I was trying to watch some, one of the Bella Gosi Poverty Row movies the other day, and it was so dark and muddy that I just, I couldn't finish it. Yeah. So go out, Monster Kids, watch a copy of my, of Creature from the Haunted Sea and glory in all the fun that's there. And just go in knowing that this is a comedy. It's not necessarily a straight horror movie. Couldn't have said it better myself. And that's all we have. To, yeah, yeah, I don't know what. That's all we have to say about I that. I feel like if we continue talking about it, we're going to kind of belabor the point. And, and, and yes. I don't want to go down that route. But I do want to make sure that people know where to find you. I mentioned Go Forth and Game. I know you're trying to get some things up and running again. Uh, there is a web presence this time, correct? There is something online. Yes. Yep. The website's still up. And, you know, it's got some. You can, there's lots and lots and lots of stuff in the archives. So, I mean, I've been running this thing for, uh, what, I think 13, almost, not 13 years, almost 10, 10 or 11 years at least. Wow. With with the blog and then transferring into the interviews in 2000, I don't remember when. There's plenty of stuff for you to go back and listen to. And hopefully there'll be new stuff coming by the end of the year. That's, and we'll just leave it to that. All right. Well, Tom, I appreciate you, of course, everything you've done for the show and, and all the support and everything that we've got Absolutely. going on. Stuff happening now as well as stuff happening in the future. Yep. I, I appreciate you so much. So thank you. All right. So Tom just reminded me we didn't play around with the Classic Five yet, which I've been moving towards the end of the episode because I've had so many return guests. But... 
you know, I like to kick things out. I don't know what I'm saying. Bottom line is that we're playing a round of the Classic Five. The Classic Five is a game that we play on the podcast. I've got a literal deck of cards. Each one of these cards has a this or that. Which movie do you prefer style question on them? There are no wrong answers. It's just a way to get Monster Kids talking about their favorite topic, monster movies. I am going to stack the deck just a little bit because uh, card number one, what's your favorite Roger Corman film? Oh, gosh. (laughs) What is my favorite Roger Corman film? (sighs) Wow, that's super hard. The last one I watched, maybe. I don't know. This one's this one has risen in the ranks, I have to say that. Haunted Palace is pretty good. It's probably going to be one of the Corman-Vincent Price collaborations. Yeah. There are all, a lot of them are running together right now. I need to see House of Usher because I have not watched that. You know, neither have I. Yet, is that our next movie? I don't know, man. I, I, or is it the Devil's Partner? I I think the Devil's (laughs) Partner is coming up. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I'm not. uh, That's hard because I like most of the Corman movies that I see. The yeah, I'm gonna go with Haunted Palace right now. Okay. I'll yeah. I'll, I'll watch Pit and the Pendulum last weekend and it's really good but i think i like haunted palace better you know i'm looking at it i think i've shown the devil's partner on the stream too and i still haven't watched it oh wow anyway i'm sorry what did you say your answer was i'm sorry uh uh haunted Haunted palace Palace. good good call good call yeah you know what i'm gonna load the deck with this one too because i yeah we've already done it so uh, i don't know favorite vincent price movie ah hmm Madhouse is at Ray up at the top of the list. Really? Wow. Okay. (laughs) I really like him in that. And I really like the Fibes movies too. Wow. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Madhouse has Cushing in it also. It does. Not a lot of Cushing, but it's a, and it's a Vincent Price vehicle. I mean, the movie like five, the Fobbs movies are built around him. So interesting. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna go, and they're both revenge movies, which I don't know. And Theater of Blood popped into my head too. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, I'm gonna say Madhouse right now. All right. Number three, favorite underwater monster movie is are uh, yeah okay. <laughs> this is a give me creature from the black lagoon is there any other better underwater monster movie no is there really? and i'll have words with anybody who says otherwise <laughs> yes yes and it needs to be shown everywhere at least once a year in 3d i agree i, I told you all i i just recently saw yeah, you it, did so. i'm so jealous of you and uh and i and i missed it it was they played it at carolina this year earlier in the year and i was out of town so, so I missed it. I'm, I'm going to use this opportunity to kind of tease something that is like 75% for sure going to happen. Uh, I am meeting with somebody on uh, this week to sit down and record with for a podcast about Creature. Oh, cool. So I'm going to say. There might, awesome. It might turn into something pretty awesome. So we'll we'll see. Derek gets the rights to remake Creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> no. 
No, I don't want those no. rights. Okay. I don't I, want okay, you. Nope, nope, no, nope. I'll take it, it back. I'll take it back. I want those rights because I don't want anybody else to have it. <laughs> yes, it should never be remade in any form or fashion. It's perfect just as it All is. All right, so question number four. What's your favorite remake? I'm kidding. I'm not going to ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is your favorite? Let's see. Da -da 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 -da. What's a good question here? Favorite? You know, it came up earlier. Favorite Ray Harryhausen creation? As far as creation, is that film or, or character? I, you know, I think when I wrote it, it was in the spirit of the character. But if you want to say film, okay. that's fine too. No, no, that's fine. Um, favorite Harryhausen character? Uh, the dragon in Seventh Voyage is pretty awesome. Ooh, good call. And I'll let you know if, if, if everything works out. Carolina Theater showing Seventh Voyage of Sinbad in December. They just showed that here at the Hollywood, and I missed it. Oh, yeah. I may. It's on my wife's birthday, so I may not be able to go. Or, that's or okay. you gift her with tickets. Yeah, she might She might like that. <laughs> she likes fantasy stuff. There you go. There you go. I mean, we went to see Dark Crystal not too long ago. It was fantastic. Oh, God. I haven't seen that on the big screen since it first came out. Wow. <laughs> My my oldest kid's named after the, gelf, the girl gelfling in that. Really? Wow. All right. Yep. That's where it came from. So we both love that movie. Very cool. All right. Final yep. question. Which movie do you prefer? Amazing Colossal Man or The Incredible Shrinking Man? Wow. That's difficult. I'm going to say Shrinking Man because that's the one I've seen most recently. Because I have not seen, it's hard to, well, it's almost, it's almost impossible to see Amazing Colossal Man now unless you got it on DVD or tape back in the day because it's not out available anymore. You can see War of the Colossal Beast, that's everywhere. But no, Shrinking Man, I'm not, I want to say I have a cop, yeah, I have a copy of that. It's on one of those compilations. With tarantula monolith monsters, I believe. Ooh. Yeah, that should be a fun. And there's yeah, it's got four cool, really good movies, and those are three of them. And I can't remember the last one. Right on. But they're so that yeah, Shrinking Man's a Universal. Is that right? Yes, it is. Yeah, so there is. It would be in Monolith Monsters Universal also. Yep. And tarantula. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. So this it, it would be another of the '50s sci-fi type. I'm gonna have to go look now. Um, anyways, that's a nice collection. It's like the classic sci-fi collection, volume one or two. I remember that set. Yeah, I think I had yeah. it years ago before I started picking things up. Otherwise, so yeah, very cool. But yes, I'm gonna say um, Sh Incredible Shrinking Man. I mean, it's 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 a really well done movie. Right on. All right, cool. now we're done. Thanks for uh, the no. classic five. <laughs> See, I, I noticed how you dropped your voice there because you don't want me to actually capture it and put it in the mix. But, but, uh, I don't care but, what you, you do. Say, do whatever you want here, to. Here's, it's your show. Here's a little secret, Tom. I, I, can, I can always edit that and, and make it, you know. You are a sound guy. I'm something. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. And I mentioned earlier that we're about to hit a milestone with the Beta Capsule Review. According to Mark's calculations, 
Next week's Beta Capsule Review will be the 100th Beta Capsule Review segment that he's done for us here on the show, which is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Mark, thank you for making Monster Kid Radio that much better with your continued contributions. You are the man, sir. Thank you. And thanks to Kenny for the Famous Monsters of Filmland segment, which is always a lot of fun as well, as well as everything that y'all do for the show. Thank you for liking, subscribing, tweeting, following, reposting, resharing, engaging with, subscribing, upvoting, thumbs upping, and everything else that you do to help support the show on your various social media platforms and uh, podcast directories. Thank you for being part of what we do here. If you want to engage with the show and the community that's come up around the show, you can do it on Facebook by liking the Facebook page or joining the Facebook group, or you can just follow me on Twitter. Or maybe you're going to be the person that helps to get the Reddit off the ground or the Discord, get the conversation happening over there a little bit more than uh, what I've been able to do. So, yeah, you can find us everywhere, including on Patreon. Thank you to all of our patrons. I appreciate you. Uh, you know, with the combination of the Patreon contributions and the advertising courtesy of Stephen D. Sullivan advertising still available. If you're interested to contact me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. The combination of the two has helped me pay the internet bill for the past month and a half, which I'm not ashamed to say I'm a little behind on. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. And that of course keeps everything going here at monster kid radio. You can find everything you need to know about monster kid radio over on the website at monsterkidradio.net. You can find links to the Facebook pages and the Twitters and everything else over there and an announcement about what's coming up next week, but I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for you now because next week I've got Brian Clark on the show. We're going to talk about the movie Gamera versus Gauss. Going to get some Kaiju action going up in here. Don't do enough Kaiju stuff. So I'm looking forward to sharing that conversation with you here on Monster Kid Radio. Of course, on the weekends, you can catch up with us, too, because over on Twitch, at twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio, on Saturday, we start a new loop. A whole bunch of new stuff. We're showing monster movies all day. An amazing pre-show put together by Scott Morris. Some awesome films. Some great conversation in the chats happening all the time over there. Would love to see you over there. It's free. The new show starts at 11 a.m. Pacific on Saturday. That's the pre-show. The movies start around noon. And we do something similar on Tuesdays, where around 3.30 there's a new pre-show. And 4 o'clock there's a new loop of stuff. I keep calling it loops because if you can't join us live when it first happens, I have it on repeat. So you can come back and watch it whenever until the next loop starts up. At least that's how I'm doing it right now. Might change it in the future. We'll see. But in the meantime... Come check us out over on Twitch. It's free to watch. The conversation's free to join. And we'd love to have you over there. Things coming up here in the world of Monster Kid Radio. Rose City Comic Con is happening the second weekend of September. And I think I'm a panelist there. I think I'm going to be on a Cthulhu and Comic Books panel on Sunday. Not 100% sure because I haven't really done my best in keeping in touch with the panelist himself or the person running the panel. Uh, David Heath and D.B. Spitzer are in charge of that. I need to really reach out to them and firm that up. But if you're in the area and you happen to see me, I'd love to meet you at Rose City Comic Con. And then next month is to be HP Lovecraft Film Festival and CthulhuCon. Uh, that's happening the weekend of the 7th, 8th, and 9th of October. I don't know much about what's happening during that time, other than there are going to be movies. Probably not doing anything at the Esoteric Order of Dagon or the Senior Center building across the street because 
we're still dealing with the pandemic. But if that's happening, I think I'm going to be there this year. So again, keep an eye out for me. Yeah. And if there are any amazing events happening over the next few weeks as we lead into uh, the rest of September and, of course, the most magical time of the year, October, and you'd like to share it with the Monster Kid Radio audience, you can do a couple of different things. You can email me an audio file at monsterkidradio at gmail.com and I'll just drop it in the mix. Or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 360... Uh, what's the rest of the phone number? Where's my monsters in there? There it is. 360-524-2484. Uh, there's a three-minute limit on the voicemail, but I can always stitch longer voicemails together as I have in the past when people call in. Or here's something else you can do. If you are interested in coming onto the show to give us a recap or a debrief of an event that you went to, I'd love to have you on the show. In fact, here in a couple of weeks, we've got somebody who calls herself Kaiju Queen in the chat over on Twitch joining us to do just that. So, lots of ways for you to get involved with the Monster Kid Radio community. That's something that I really want to move toward toward the end of this year, beginning of next year. It's just really growing the community and making this less about a place where I just send you stuff and more about how it's everybody kind of coming together and sharing and creating segments and, and putting material out there and that sort of thing. I'd really like that to be a place where we grow with monster radio more so than we already have, have done because, you know, I love having extra voices in the mix and I just, I just love sharing what we love with everybody and, and the creation of all this, but you know what? I'm going to move on anyway uh, on a personal note. I am looking for more work personally. So if you are a podcast producer, audio producer, video producer, and you need somebody to come in to help you edit your audio or even edit your video, my rates are incredibly affordable. Please drop me a line. Again, it's monsterkidradio at gmail.com. I'll edit a podcast. I'll edit an audiobook. I'll edit your YouTube video. Whatever you need, drop me a line and we'll work something out because I'd really like to start doing more of that kind of thing. Plus, what I said earlier about being behind on some of my bills. That's just saying. Uh, I do have a good job, but it doesn't pay enough. So, uh, yeah, I'm just looking to kind of expand that a little bit as well. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up and get out of here and remind you that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the awesome song Ride on the Seaside Strip from the band Satan's Pilgrims from their upcoming, it might even be out now, album, Go Action. You can find Satan's Pilgrims over at High Tide Recordings or pretty much anywhere you go to check out awesome music because, well, they're awesome music and you should check them out. Let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. If you do check them out, my name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week when we get down with Gamera and Gaios. Ciao. <laughs>